Welcome to Everything Imaginable, the podcast for curious minds on KGRA Radio. And here is your host, Gary Cochileo. Welcome everyone to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. Before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producer Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, senior editor Amanda Steele, author of Ghost of Me, binaural production engineer Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. If you are interested in contributing to this podcast, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you will find a whole bunch of information there on how to contribute. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Damien Knott, and he is a filmmaker, and he has a movie called... Australian Skies, and it looks like he, I think he has about like three more in the works. Um, so thank you for coming on today. Thank you for having me on. Much appreciated. Um, so what got you interested in the UFO phenomenon? I originally got interested uh, when I was nine years old, uh, 33 years ago, after witnessing a red ball of light following me down the street in Blacktown in Western Sydney uh, here in New South Wales. Australia and uh yeah my mother shot it down in flames when I told her about it but it wasn't until like 12 uh, three years later when I was 12 that I had a sighting um of a similar object a red ball of light um coming down from the sky then getting chased around the sky by two other different colored balls of light uh for about 12 to 15 minutes this happened and it was witnessed by my stepbrothers witnessed by my father um so it was a big event it was a long sighting and so I, I, I sort of kind of launched myself into a um, trying to find out what it was that I saw. So I'd hire every book I could um, about UFOs and I'd go to the libraries when I was a kid and trying to find out what it was that I saw. And, you know, my mother said it was probably an aeroplane when I was nine. So, you know, you want to believe your, your parents when you're young, you know, but I kind of knew that it wasn't because this thing, it seemed to mimic my movements. You know, it, it would when I would stop walking, it would stop directly mm-hmm. above me when, when I would continue to walk, it would then walk with me. I mean, walk. I mean, it would follow me while I was walking. It was quite strange. It was a very strange uh, occurrence. And my mother said it was probably just an airplane when I got home, and I knew it wasn't. But like, it, when I was twelve, it kind of backed me up when my father and my stepbrothers had seen the UFO with me. We were camping out in the backyard in a place called Pendle Hill here in New South Wales, and um, it was a hot summer night, just looking up at the sky and. All of a sudden, this ball came down, this red ball. And I was telling him, this is what I saw, you know, three years earlier. Uh, and all of a sudden, yeah, we just we were witness to this uh, event. The best way I could describe it was um, these lights uh, that were chasing this red light all over the sky. Um, they would go vast distances, then stop um, just at the – with no forward inertia, anything like that. Then they take off at a 90-degree left-hand angle – go off in this part of the sky and the other lights would chase it this way and this way and it happened for, like for, like i was saying for a long time and, and a- even like a one minute sighting of a ufo is a long time time seems to stand still when you're seeing these things and um so that sighting was a very long time. and i knew that you know oh, 
I kind of I was right about what I saw three years earlier when I was younger and um and and having the backup of my family seeing it as well I kind of knew that hey that maybe I wasn't imagining things and all that sort of stuff so I was like okay well maybe there is something to this and sure enough uh, the more I looked into it, the more I realized that I wasn't the only one around the world who'd been seeing these things and having these experiences. So, um, you know, for, that was 33 years ago now. I'm now 42. Um, I've seen a whole bunch yeah, in, in, uh, over my lifetime. Um, but it wasn't until 10 years ago when I came up to a place called Dunedoo, New South Wales, a, a small town of 700 people in the Central West Tablelands. And, you know, it's... Um, very small town and a few people around here were seeing it and I started seeing white balls of light floating over homes you know at 11 o'clock at night you know everyone's you know in their home in these towns and everyone's asleep and or whatever and got their lights switched off there's no street lights in this town there's maybe three street lights in the entire town um, so it's very dark uh, this area is known as the astronomy capital of Australia all the way up to Coonabarabra uh, where they have an observatory not next town across from us and um so it's very dark you can see all the sky you can see the cosmos you can see the solar system everything and it's quite incredible up here but um yeah i started seeing some strange stuff up here 10 years ago when i came up here for a little while to work on a home up here work on a couple of properties and whatnot and, um from sydney and uh but over my lifetime i'd only seen just a small handful from when i was a kid and but i always knew what i saw was a reality i knew there was something to it something very strange and um, I mean, I witnessed um, when I was working on the Olympic torch back in the year 2000, just before the Sydney Olympic Games, um, it, I was working on the, the stairs where Kathy Freeman, the uh, Olympian, actually stood and hold the torch. Um, they were actually flooding. And I remember at the end of the day, uh, I looked above me and I saw uh, this thing just stop above the Olympic Stadium. And the Olympic Stadium at the time was direct, completely and utterly, it was a... Uh, a free zone nobody was allowed to fly over it um you know you because of the fact it was an olympic stadium at the time and whatnot so and this thing had just stopped and had a a bulb sticking out the bottom of it with a, a rotating center going completely around the middle of it and i watched this for about it didn't come to a full stop but it came to a near stop and then just took off towards the city and i remember because it was a hot day and everything we're all sweating and carrying on and there was an electrician down near me and i said to him did you just see that and he said no what I said, that thing that just stopped above us for a second, he said, no, nah, no, nah. he said, I think you've got too much heat. So he thought I was imagining what I saw and I was like, okay, whatever. And I just threw it off. But, you know, um, over my life, I've seen a, a small handful, but it was over the last decade uh, coming up to the country here. And then, I mean, I, I was only here for 10 months at the time, but during that time we had uh, journalists from Sun Herald newspaper here, which is one of Australia's most respected newspapers, if not the, the most respected newspaper, they came into the backyard. They witnessed two UFOs fly over the house here, playing a game of tag, a game of catch up with each other over a period of about three minutes across the sky. They'd never seen anything like it. And because they'd come from the city, you know, you could hardly see any satellites in the city because of the light pollution. They'd never even seen satellites before. So they saw these things catching up to each other and zipping across the sky. Yeah, it was just an amazing occurrence. It was, it was really, it was the perfect timing because over the period, the previous two nights, I'd actually contacted a UFO group and the week before and they'd sent investigators up and they witnessed, uh, when the, the first lead investigator came to the house here, 
you actually witnessed a and, and my father and myself actually witnessed a what looked like a flying saucer but there was no dome or anything like that it was an orange glowing orange thing that just floated silently over the house the second the, the lead investigator came so that kind of like um you know and i was in the backyard at the time and i had the camera set up i kind of had a feeling something's going on and um, then all of a sudden I heard a call from my father and this this gentleman out the front, my name being yelled. So I've run through the house and I've gone out the front and they're all pointing up over the house. So I'm looking up at there and then sure enough, I've witnessed myself, this thing floating silently, no noise, just over the house. Um, the second, like literally seconds within the lead investigator arriving in town. So he was blown away. My father was blown away. Everyone was blown away. My father's seen a lot of these things with me. Um, we used to sit out the back in the backyard and, and, and write down the trajectories, what we saw, what, what they were doing, what, what you know, the uh, characteristics of what these UFOs were portraying in the sky around us. And um, so we sat, we had a book, we've still got this book, but um, we, we would write down everything that what, what they would do on a nightly basis. And sure enough, it, they didn't appear every night. It was, you know, you'd get your satellites, you'd get your planes and whatever. Uh, this area is known as a... Um, a, a, an air force uh area where the air force can can uh do uh you know their training or whatever the case is but over the period of years we only see them maybe once or twice a year and funny enough when we see the jets come over from the air force from newcastle um air base uh they they only seem to come over when ufos are in the area which is really really strange too and i mean we've got footage of these things these flashing lights following these jets as they circle around town here um so it's very very unusual what, what is going on um the air force seemed to know about them i.e maybe they're picking them up on radar who knows but at the end of the day like i mean i, I i'm only speculating uh but the fact is, out of the three times over this last year, we've seen jets in the area, and not just one jet, but two jets at a time come around and do circles around the town. We've seen UFOs interact or following these planes or whatever the case may be. So it, it, it kind of adds to the whole um, the mystery of the whole thing. You know, like what do the Air Force know? Are they picking these things up? And that's why they're sending out these jets into the area i mean we've seen these flasher type ufos come down and hang over telegraph poles so large so huge and they'll flash on and off and different frequencies and different uh, different types of flashing almost like a a, a um, old school photography lamp where you know the flash would go off and it'll be slow and a certain kind of flash and it would sink in on itself and that kind of thing but we've seen them hang over telegraph poles. We've seen them high up in the sky, changing directions, these white things, and some of them are orange, and they change directions and give off a bright flash and appear here and all this. So it's really strange. And the, the fact that the Air Force are appearing around the same time, you could ask yourself the question, what's going on here? Do they really know what's going, what's happening? You know, so it's really strange. So, yeah, I, I, I got really heavily invested in it. I started uh, 10 years ago looking into photography more trying to photograph these things and over the last decade i've invested in 62 different cameras trying to work out you know what we're seeing what's going on capturing stuff on multiple cameras at the same time so i.e thermal camera uh, 4k cameras even vga cameras or all, all sorts of technology that we have on multiple cameras at the same time capturing the footage so skeptics can't say that oh it's a camera anomaly with this one camera when 
five other cameras on the same rig are capturing the same thing in different formats, mm -hmm. i.e. infrared, full spectrum, thermal, 4K, normal type of uh, full HD, you name it, you know, we're capturing one at the same time, in, in, at the same time with the same different rig. So it kind of rules out a camera anomaly on one different, on one separate camera um, when you're capturing them on multiple cameras at the same time. So yeah, it kind of helps. So I really, I, I, I kind of, um, after 33 years of trying to look into all the phenomenon, reading about it, look, watching all the documentaries and, you know, the 70s and 80s documentaries and the Leonard Nimoy ones and, you know, yeah. going back in the day and all this sort of stuff. Like, I, I really, you know, I, I really i have been searching for an answer my whole life. And you know, the more I look into this, the stranger it becomes and the, the more you realise that it's not just aliens coming from another planet and coming here and doing um, whatever they're doing, it seems to be an interdimensional aspect to this whole phenomenon. There's a high strangeness going on here that seems to be, um, that I believe personally, they're around us at all times um, and we just can't see them um, with our naked eye, but they're around. Um, they're in our oceans, they're in mountains. They, um, I've captured them flying into mountains. I have footage of this. I've, I've got footage of them flying into oceans without creating any disturbance on the surface of the water whatsoever. Um, so they're leaving no wake, no anything, just diving directly into the mountain um, or into the ocean. Uh, no splashing, no anything, just disappearing completely. And so the, the phenomenon is strange as, as anything as it is. But the more people look into it, the more they'll actually realize how strange the phenomenon actually is. Um, there's a lot of connections with other things, other paranormal phenomena as well that are already on this earth that are already well known about over the centuries, um, i.e. poltergeist phenomena other phenomena seem to occur at the same time these things are appearing over towns or uh, during hotspot you know, uh, locations or whatever the case is, um, they seem to be appearing around the same times that uh, phenomenon is occurring in people's homes as well. Um, and I've looked into a lot of work like by a gentleman uh, like John Keel, you know, the Mothman prophecies and stuff like that, where, you know, stuff like that was happening in towns where they were seeing lights in the sky, seeing strange beings on the ground and flying in the skies and stuff like that. And so, like, I, I've always kind of kept an open mind and, you know, if you'd asked me 33 years ago when I was nine, I would have said that these are they're just aliens coming from the planet Mars, little green men or whatever the case is. But the, the older you get, the more you look into it, the more you realize there's something strange going on. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, do you think maybe that they're, they're from another planet, but they have to manipulate space and time dimensions in order to appear here? Uh, well, look, um, back in the day, uh, you know, we've had a myriad of different types of UAP sightings or UFO sightings. Um, you know, you've got your old school flying saucers and you've got your old school landings at people's schools and Westall and Ariel School over in, you know, so you've got a certain type of thing, which, which could be uh, construed as coming from another planet. But it seems that some of these things are not just coming from another planet, that they're already here. They're existing alongside of us on this very planet itself. And they can come in and out of our reality when they choose to, when they uh, when they feel like they, they need to um, come in here. And, um, and it would describe uh, a lot of what's going on um, and a lot of the characteristics they seem to uh, 
give off um, in regards to what they do and, and how they act and how they interact with humans and everything. There's, there's a, a category of high strangeness involved here. And so anyone who says they're just aliens coming from another planet, taking, you know, a, a specimen from a farm or they're taking something and they've been doing that for a long, long time. Why do you need to keep on taking DNA from a human when they, you already know that, you know, that you know where we're going already. So why does it, why is it a continual thing that they're coming here? I believe personally, due to um, my own research and the research of a gentleman friend of mine called Mike Williams, who's a Fortiana investigator. He looks at the whole plethora of different phenomena on this earth. Um, and there are some uh, links or possible connections between different phenomena, um, which people, a lot of people don't even go into or won't even look at. Um, a lot of Bigfoot people who see um, balls of light and strange phenomenon around Bigfoot sightings. And then you've got uh, balls of light appearing in people's homes where uh, an, an analogy that I've used for a while um, and that I stole from Mike Williams is, <laughs> um, you know, if, you, if you're a, a, a ghost hunter and you see a ball of light in, your, in a home, you're going to say it's a ghost. If, you, if you're if you a farmer and you see a ball of light on your property, you're going to say it's a min-min light, which is what we call mystery lights here in Australia. You've got your Marfa lights over in Texas and all that sort of stuff over in America, um, similar kind of thing. And if you're a ufologist and you see a ball of light in the sky, you're going to call it a UFO. But in reality, they all seem to give off the same characteristics. They're measured in a very similar way, i.e., uh, EMF meters can pick them up. They change the localized uh, magnetic field around them when they're around, when they appear. Uh, also, they are, a lot of them can be seen on infrared and full spectrum cameras where they can't be seen with the naked eye. Um, a lot of them, um, they affect animals in the same way. Um, uh, they affect humans in a very similar way. They seem to be a lot of uh, people who witness the UFO phenomenon on a repeated basis. It seems to be a very similar way to hauntings around the world where certain hauntings will focus on children in the family or focus in prepubescent adults or focus on somebody in the family. Uh, this phenomenon also, the UFO phenomenon, seems to focus on certain individuals. And so certain individuals will see more UFO phenomenon during their lifetimes, whereas other people will never see, any, never see UFO in their entire lives. So you've got to ask the question, why is that? What, what, what are the connections? What's going on here? There's, we've come up with 28 different points and different possible connections between different phenomenon that are occurring here on Earth and up in the sky, just all around us. So, you know, if you really ask the question, there's something a lot stranger going on than just aliens visiting hear from other planets i'm sure that's happened multiple times no doubt but at the same time that these things seem to be all around us in an interdimensional aspect do you think they're conscious do you think they're trying to communicate with us or do you think they're responding to our consciousness like we're maybe subconsciously calling out to them and bringing them here that's a possibility that's definitely a possibility uh you know that like on several occasions myself, I don't like to say this, but when I had the Sun Herald journalist in the backyard, I also had a head of a New South Wales' most prominent UFO group, and she was here. Over the previous two nights, we'd witnessed nine UFOs swarm over the backyard. She was blown away. She'd never seen a UFO before, so she was blown away. And then when the Sun Herald reporters came into town, 
and they witnessed the same sort of thing. She said to me, she said, um, can you get your friends to come? You know, and I'm like, well, that's no big, you know, like I don't have a rope. I can pull them down from the sky. It doesn't quite work that way. But I actually thought, I thought, guys, okay, well, now would be the perfect time to come. We have journalists here. We have UFO group presidents here. Now, within about seven seconds of me thinking that, two UFOs came over the house playing the game of catch-up across the sky. Now, you could call that a coincidence. You could call that, you know, so there does seem to be some sort of connection. Uh, there's there's a whole bunch of high strangeness where, um, like, okay, for instance, um, about five years ago, I went up to the Gold Coast here in Queensland, and I, it was for a, a paranormal convention. So there was all, you know, there was about, you know, eight, nine hundred people in this room. And I spoke for four hours about UFOs up on the stage and came out, was being interviewed for a documentary by a Canadian film crew, Rob Freeman and his crew. And they had a, a, a rig with a $72,000 thermal camera and a bunch of other different cameras on it. And I'd never seen like through a, a, an expensive thermal camera before. So. <laughs> At the end of the interview, I was like, he said, do you want to have a look through it? And I said, yeah, yeah, definitely. Let me have a look through it. The nerd in me was like, yeah, I want to look. <laughs> so I was looking through. And the second I looked through, here on the other side of it was a perfectly shaped Hollywood-style flying saucer, except it was tiniest little dome on the top. Not like a big dome like you see in the movies or whatever. It was a tiny little dome on top, perfectly straight sides, rounded edges. Everything was symmetrical, um, flat bottom. And it was just sitting there and I thought it was a joke at the time. And I, so I reached around the other end of the camera and I'm trying to like think they've got some sticker or something on the other side. And they're just trying to play a practical joke. So I'm trying to scratch it off the lens. And sure enough, this thing then started moving to the right. Now you could see behind it, you could see high buildings, like high rise buildings, because we were seven stories up in the Hyatt at the time. And you could see high-rise buildings behind it, and this thing was moving. It was that low. It was directly opposite. We were we couldn't see it with the naked eye. We had 15 people out on the balcony interviewing me at the time and hanging around watching the interview. And then, sure enough, nobody could see it. I filmed it on my my 4K camera. Nothing was there. But in a thermal camera, this thing was giving off a heat source. It moved between two buildings. Um, I wasn't the only one to see it. Other people saw it through this thermal camera as well. It's actually up on YouTube at the moment people can see now what happened was um yeah we thought we had the best ufo footage in the in history right this thing went out to the ocean and then disappeared and sure enough they've come back to the hotel room might ho and they've knocked on the door about an hour later and you're not going to believe this and they all dejected and i'm like oh what's going on didn't it record and they said well yeah it did but it didn't i'm like what so it showed me and sure enough the video part of the footage didn't record so there was a black screen with electronic interference going through, but the audio part recorded. So you could hear us all talking about this incredible UFO we're all seeing and witnessing. But for some reason, for the first time, it had never happened before that. It had never happened since that, where it's only recorded the audio and not the video. So there's a whole bunch of high strangers like that. And you got to ask yourself, was it on purpose? Did these things do that on purpose so they didn't want themselves to be filmed? Or was it a byproduct of whatever their engine was giving off or the electromagnetic field was giving off and somehow interfered with our camera equipment? We don't know that still to this day. It's still one of those questions. So at the same time, like you, you got to ask yourself, this has happened multiple times where we've had batteries go flat. We've had all sorts of equipment, memory cards fail. 
um, all sorts of things when we've got what we think would be the most incredible footage. But other times, it seems they allow you to film them. So it's kind of strange. You've got to ask yourself, what's going on here? Why does some allow you to film where others don't? Um, and it seems like the more incredible close-up UFO sightings, they, they don't let you film them which is really strange we've had multiple batteries here even on the property here like a decade ago um we've had in ufo investigators and we've seen these things like these this one occasion especially we had a, a well-known guy here in australia at the time um ufologist who was with me at the time and he had a brand new camera with multiple batteries we'd made sure that day they were fully charged i had a an old school sony camera an infrared where my mate lent me had 14 different batteries which were all fully charged in a bag and one after the other while this thing is going over us and it had multiple lights going around the perimeter of it like it was a large thing and we watched it go directly over us this thing one battery after another drained from full to zero in a matter of about a second um and how can you explain something like that this thing going over the top so it's either on purpose that they're doing that they don't need to get this footage of them or it's a byproduct of what their engine or what's powering them is giving off is actually flattening the batteries or is actually whatever so i'm still up in the air about it uh whether it's on purpose or whether it's a, a byproduct of of what it's powering them mm. is actually interfering with equipment. So interesting. Yeah, I, I think that I mean my own theory on that is some type of electron electromechanical interference that just drains energy. That's something that they're using to power the craft, some type of I don't know, anti gravity device possibly. Or, you know, if it's paranormal, they're using that energy to manifest. Yeah. Or they're coming here from other dimensions that are, mm. uh, are literally right alongside of us um, and they're appearing and disappearing at will. Uh, that's another thing that has in common with paranormal phenomenon here on Earth. When people report ghost sightings and, and, and whatnot in their homes, these things are appearing as balls of light or they're appearing as figures or whatever the case is floating through walls um they have very similar characteristics they appear and disappear in very similar ways they affect animals around them so animals seem to be aware of when they're around both the ufo phenomenon and the ghost phenomenon paranormal phenomenon they seem to be aware that something strange is going on um almost like there's a predator around um mm -hmm. we in town here we have cattle sales once every you know we only have 700 people 750 people in the whole of town here so it's a very small town but at the uh twice a month we have cattle auctions where people come in the next day and auction on cattle and sell their cattle and everything and one of these nights i witnessed a um a large white ball of light float above a home directly behind us here and it was so low, it was actually slightly illuminating the, the rooftop tiles as over this home as it was going. It was half the size of this home. It was huge. And it, and it went behind a tree and then it disappeared. But it was heading in the direction of the cattle. Now, during uh, while it was heading in the direction of this cattle, all the dogs in town were barking and going crazy. And But when about 30 to 40 seconds later, after I saw it disappear, all of a sudden the cattle in this pen were going crazy i mean when i say crazy i mean they were going crazy they were banging up against the metal you know the um the fences and they were just going crazy and often now i've heard this phenomenon in 
um, when I was younger um, in, in relation to something that happened that was paranormal with myself and a friend of mine, um, I've heard this phenomenon, his dog going crazy and scratching on the back door and barking like there was a predator around and the birds in his backyard and his aviaries going crazy and everything. And, and then all of a sudden, the same thing with the UFO phenomenon years later, these things seem to know when these uh, things are around. Um, so whether it's affecting the, I know that they affect the Earth's magnetic field because we can pick them up on EMF meters. So yeah. they do affect the localized magnetic field around them. So that seems to be something of a characteristic that is inherent with both of the phenomena, um, which is what I'm um, working on at the moment, a documentary called Haunted Skies, where it goes into the whole plethora of different phenomena here on this Earth even Bigfoot um, phenomenon and stuff like that, big cat phenomenon where balls of light are seen and witnessed around these other strange sightings of humanoid or hominoid creatures that people are seeing around the world. And a lot of uh, Bigfoot people and a lot of UFO people won't link the two, you know, or, or look at any coincidences between the two. But, you know, some of us are actually, actually experienced the strange phenomenon hand in hand with each other we're, we're saying that hey hold on a sec there there is some strange coincidence coincidence here <laughs> where if you could call it that <laughs> where the same thing is being seen around different phenomena and the same characteristics of different phenomena is being observed around the world and going back centuries now so it's been with us for a long time and i believe that this is why i call the phenomenon paranatural phenomenon I believe it's natural. We just don't understand it yet. Like we don't understand our own oceans, the bottom mm -hmm. of our own oceans, or, or all the, the species we have on this earth. We're finding five new species every day, um, apparently. And we're finding out things that we thought that just a decade ago that couldn't exist, like life forms existing in battery acid or life forms existing at the bottom of the ocean on vents that we thought that previously could never exist octopuses that we're relating to kind of alien kind of life forms that are way under the ocean mm -hmm. in the Mariana Trench and all of these other places. So we're always learning here on Earth and we're always uh, redetermining what we already perceived that we knew about our surroundings and we're always changing that. Um, so people can't say that, no, that can't exist because everything's always changing. We don't know really. We're a species of... Uh, amnesiatic monkeys in a way we really don't know what's going on around us i hate to say that because a lot of people don't think oh you know i'm not a monkey i'm not this i'm not that no but the reality is that we really know not much about space we don't know much about earth even uh what's going on around us and everything that we thought we knew is always getting thrown out the window and changed with new hypotheses and new uh facts basically um supported by our own science at the time that something else as strange is going on and that we actually we didn't know as much as what we like to think we know and and that's well it's it's always changing that's the good thing about science is that you know once we find out about something new then that's added to the annals and you now we can move on from there and everything but you know at the time there's a, a massive stigma that's attached to the ufo phenomenon 
and any other paranormal phenomenon around the world. Um, I mean, back in the day, back in you know Europe, you know, 500 years ago, paranormal phenomena and ghosts and that was more accepted in a way than what it is today. Even though a lot of people have experienced stuff all around the world, they used to look at things in more of a supernatural kind of, um, you know, in a supernatural kind of way back in the day. So there was a case uh, back in Germany years ago uh, near Nuremberg where. A gentleman was walking into this town. He was walking over a bridge, and he happened to look above himself and witness a red ball of light following him. When he would stop, it would stop. When he would keep moving, it would mimic his movements. This is exactly what happened to me when I was nine years old. I only found out about this about three years ago um, through Jacques Vallée, one of his books with Chris Orbeck, where he spoke about what's called the wonders in the sky, where they, they go through a whole plethora of past encounters that have been recorded throughout history which tend to you know seem to signify some sort of extraterrestrial or interdimensional whatever kind of aspect or phenomenon um and and one of these it's exactly what i experienced now this gentleman walked into town now people saw this red light following him just above his head excuse me like what i've had when i was nine and they would shut their doors and the, the pubs would close their doors. No one wanted him anywhere near them in this town because they, they saw it as a negative influence. They saw it as something spiritual. And, um, you know, so they didn't, they, it's a bad omen. So they didn't want this guy anywhere near them. So they wouldn't let him in. And so this guy is like walked around with his red ball following him being rejected by everybody <laughs> before he even spoke to them about it. And, you know, I kind of know that feeling. Um, because, I mean, I've had my whole life trying to convince people around me and friends and everything what I saw and what I know that I saw was reality. And I tried to convince them of this and, you know, oh, you're crazy or because of the stigma attached to the whole topic, you know, because not many people experience this phenomenon. And it's what I'm trying to get to the bottom of with my career and with my documentaries is why are certain people experiencing the phenomenon when others won't see anything in their entire lifetimes? Now, is that because most people don't look up to the sky? Or is that because is there something deeper than that? And this is what I'm trying to get to in the bottom of with haunted skies, especially and paranormal enigma part two and uh, fractured realities part two and you know, a few other documentaries. I'm trying to get to the bottom of this. That seems to be centered both phenomenon, i.e., poltergeist phenomenon and UFO phenomenon, seem to be centered around certain characters or certain individuals throughout history. Now, this is what I'm trying to find out why and i've come i've become resigned to the fact i may i may never know at the end of the day you know but i've become resigned to that fact and i'm easy with that whatever the case is but if i can open up some people's minds uh to the possibility that yeah something stranger is going on i'll, I'll die happy so, <laughs> you know yeah. I, I i think that all these possibilities are probably happening you know all these every possibility that we could think of is probably what's happening we're probably Dealing with multi-dimensional beings, we might be—we're probably dealing with aliens from another planet. Um, and also, you know, you mentioned how, how it happens with certain people, and like the, I, I think that might be the result of human beings, possibly each of us having the ability to create our own holographic reality that can be viewed by other people. What do you think of that one? That's that's interesting too. I've looked into the human mind part of it, and some people's minds may be more powerful than others, and we maybe we can project things onto other people 
Um, I've done experiments where I've had sky watchers with multiple people around me who've seen UFOs, and I've asked people to draw out what they saw with the rest of us. Now, you'll get eight people out of 11 people who witness exactly the same thing, and they'll draw the same thing down, but then you'll get three or four people out of that group will see something completely different. Now, whether that's got to do with the human mind, um, with our perception, with our, our, our openness, or something else completely different, that's another mystery altogether. Um, but yeah, I, I put that into the basket of mm -hmm. high strangeness. You know, um, I really don't, I can't say at the moment what it is. I wish I could, I wish <laughs> right. I could tell people that they're all aliens coming from Venus or, <laughs> you know, yeah, if you'd asked me 33 years ago, I would have said, yeah, they're little green men coming from Mars. But mm -hmm. in the reality is, I don't know. And I can't say at the end of the day. Interesting. Um, how about the idea that human consciousness, rather than maybe, well, maybe it projects itself and creates reality. Another possibility is that the uh, consciousness acts as a receiver and receives different levels of reality. Yeah, well, it depends on the human mind, really, then, doesn't it? The openness of the human mind. Um, like, like I said, certain people see certain things and other people won't. So it depends on, I guess, your openness about how you're open to certain different possibilities or whether it's actually the fact that people are seeing something completely different um, for whatever reason. Um, and that goes, again, goes into the high strangers part of this. But at the end of the day, we, we really don't know. That's just one of the multi-million dollar questions in this whole phenomenon is, is what is actually going on here? Because it's not as straightforward as aliens coming from another planet. I, I believe that has happened all throughout history. I believe they've come here. There's cases like the Lonnie Zamora case. Um, you know, the police officer witnessed these beings standing next to this egg-shaped object that then took off up to the sky. And then you've got a plate, uh, like a voyage in Russia where they, they, all these school children witnessed this egg-shaped object landing near a, uh, you know, where kids are playing in a little park, you know, and everything. And this robots come out and stuff like that and little alien kind of things. And so there's a possibility that they have, there's, there's life throughout the entire universe and they've, they've possibly sent whatever to come here and check out things get samples on the ground and you know which they seem to be which seems to be some sort of possible which is what we would do if we landed on another planet we'd get samples from the ground we'd watch from a distance we wouldn't exactly interfere with everyone around us like if we landed in a you know you've got instances like here in australia like the westall school uh, where a whole bunch of school children even teachers witnessed the ufo landing you know, and beings getting out of it and standing on the craft and same as the aerial school encounter in South Africa and everything. And so there, there, there seems to be some sort of aspect where it's like us, what we would do if we landed on another planet. But there's also a high strangeness factor where, especially like what I was saying before, where some people will see certain things, whereas other people won't see it. And they're standing right next to you. They're seeing something completely different. Now, whether that's got to do with their mind or where they're at at the time or whatever the case is, we don't know. That's really strange. But some people, some kids um, during the aerial school encounter witnessed two aliens. Some kids witnessed one. Some kids witnessed the alien coming towards them, then disappearing and reappearing back where it started from, and then doing the same thing again, and then going back to where it came from, then doing walking towards them again. And and so there's a bunch of really high strangeness factors where, okay, hey, certain people saw something and other people saw something completely different. So 
is it the human mind we're perceiving things different because of our own uh you know ideal of reality before the sighting or is it something else completely different where they're showing certain people different things now that's another million dollar question at the beginning of the episode when we started talking you mentioned that when the phenomena would show up near your area these jets would also show up you know and it's like the military is aware of this phenomenon now i like like i don't know how it is in australia like i know in the united states they're just sort of starting to open up about it like hey yeah we we've been investigating these things but we don't know what they are um so how about over there like does your government acknowledge the existence of ufos um no, or did he hide it from you guys yeah like <laughs> okay now australian government we we Okay, we're we're partners with America in wartime and everything, all right. So we're we're brothers with you guys. Now we, like they say, with the Australian education system, we're ten years behind you guys in certain ways. So we kind of uh, expect and hope that you guys are going to tell us the truth about UFOs. So then we can then go and say, hey, UFOs exist, right? Um, <laughs> so I guess it's the same with everyone around the world. Um, with every nation around the world in regards to UFO, we're, we're waiting for some big government figure or Pentagon or whatever to say that UFOs exist, even though people over you know hundreds of years now have seen them. We know it's real. We don't need the government to tell us that it's real. <laughs> but the fact is that we, we it does help, and especially with what's coming on lately and what's what's about to happen with the Pentagon and the release of information and everything. You know, I. I personally, I'm not holding up high hopes for this whole thing. I think that a lot of it, like what's been released in the past, maybe, you know, with Project Blue Book and Grudge and everything, everyone gets their hopes up and then, and, and then all of a sudden gets, oh, no, nah, there's, there's nothing that shows malice or anything towards anything in the United States or a threat or whatever the case is. Um, you know, at the end of, you know, after 20 years of investigating it or whatever the case is. So I'm not holding my hopes up. These are the same people who've rubbished and ridiculed the phenomenon for over 70 years. Um, you know, it doesn't exist. You're crazy if you see it. There's a stigma attached to it um, through movies, through this, through that, whatever the case is. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not holding hope that the Australian government's going to come out and say anything. If we do, it'll be off the back of the US government and what's coming in the next couple of weeks or so so i'm not i'm not holding any any hopes up i i know that we um back in the day they did the study where they they said that oh, it, the release of this phenomenon around the world or the knowledge of this phenomenon may crush religions and may make people not want to go to work and not pay taxes and flee to the mountains and all this kind of stuff you know but i think now we're living in a different age and a different era where people are more open to it if you look at on the internet you, you can see that the uh UFO phenomenon is second only to pornography in Google searches. So, you know, you've got pornography, then you've got UFOs straight after it. So there's a lot of interest in the phenomenon. There is all around the world. It's one of the most widely searched topics in the world. So there's a lot of people that are open to this possibility that something strange is going on, um, especially people who've witnessed the phenomenon themselves um, and have been rubbished and ridiculed their entire lives. I've had that myself. I've, I've fallen out with best friends over this and fighting with them, and they always use the same thing. It's like, oh, no, there's no other planets out there that could hold life or, or that every other planet is too far away from us that 
you know, there's no way they could get here in time. They're, they're using our mm. common, our current understanding of physics, of what we think physics are at the moment. This is coming from humans. Humans are fallible. We, we make up, you know, everything changed. Like I was saying before, everything changes. Our current understanding of everything is always changing. Our current understanding of physics is now changing. What we call dark matter around the universe is our understanding of that is also changing. Now, my own theory, and it's been my theory for years, and it's one that I will release in Haunted Skies, is the fact that I believe personally that dark matter, which is making up, what, 90% or 86% of our universe or whatever the case is, what they're saying now, um, is other dimensional. We can't work out exactly where it is or it's all around us. Mm -hmm. We can't see it, but we know it's there. Or scientists, due to models, are assuming that it's there, it's around us. Now, and, and, and they're saying this recently, just last week, uh, the BBC came out with a story about how the uh our understanding of uh einstein's theory of relativity may be wrong um in relation to these this dark matter that may be all around us so who's to say that this dark matter that exists around us is not where the other dimensions are that these things are existing in mm -hmm. but they're just parallel to us all around us now i believe that's where they're coming from interesting I have a guest who is a who's a physicist, and he has a theory that um, the multiverse it lies between at the quantum level between where a particle is a particle and a wave, and in between those states is where the multiverse is. That's a good possibility as well. Um, it's interesting. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It is. It is. Uh, and the more, like I said, the more that we look into science and the more that science evolves and the more understanding of our universe evolves around us and what's actually going on, um, which may not happen for another 50, 60, 100 years, 200 years, we may not understand fully what's going on at all in, in throughout everything. Because really, like we're like ants looking up at the sky, trying to find out a a reason for everything why are we here you know it's the ultimate question it's the one question i've been asking for 33 years what's this got to do with these extraterrestrials i went to a catholic school i was trained by brothers in religious education mm -hmm. and everything and whenever i used to ask the question about the lights that i'd seen when i was younger the brothers would have the most insane response to me i.e they would kick me out of the classroom they would never answer my questions. When I'd ask, are these red lights, are they God? Are they, you know, if, if we're the, the center of God's creation and we're the, you know, the apex of everything, then what are these other things that I'm seeing, these lights? And I used to get in so much trouble at school for this. I was like the odd, odd one out in my Catholic school because I used to have to go sit so many times outside the principal's office till the end of class because I asked a question about the UFOs that I'd seen. And so that kind of like, made me ask more questions, you know, and try and find out more about what's going on with the whole plethora of the phenomenon that's happening around us, especially with what I saw myself. None of the brothers that taught me could give me an answer. So this is why it kind of made me strive more to wanting to find out an answer for either through a religious viewpoint or through some other scientific viewpoint. Um, I've looked at every different point throughout throughout my life a lot of people say that they're in the bible there's all speak about um ufos and this, there's talk about this could be a ufo this could be a ufo or a ufo led the israelites through the desert to safety or whatever the case is there's a lot of 
strange on strange things in the bible that people could conceive as possible ufos right so i've looked at that i've looked at all the different side topics of everything but what i have found out is that the ufo phenomenon has been with us for centuries oh, it's yeah. been with us for a very long time it hasn't left it it's not a new phenomenon it's not something that just all of a sudden popped around and just said hey guys in the 40s here we are we're following the airplanes during wartime where the foo fighters blah 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 this is our first time ever here no they've been here for a long time they've been here for probably since the dawn of the human race maybe even before that so that's why i call it paranatural enigma mm -hmm. or paranatural phenomenon because i believe that it's natural it's just we don't understand it yet it's part of the universe it's part of everything that's going on we just don't get it we don't we don't have the capacity the understanding to get it you know we're just barely enough getting through work going to work and coming home and feeding the family and doing the day-to-day -day routines that you know people do you know just to survive on this earth let alone thinking all this extra stuff that's going on around us you know most people don't want to know about that or most people whatever but at the same time we all have the inherent wanting to know inside ourselves where we came from at least at one time of our lives we think about that we think about it very deeply um most people brush it aside and go whatever and just live with their lives and go on about making money on earth or whatever the case is but most people don't really ask that question but most people during their lives will ask that question at least one point but a lot of people don't stick with that they sort of just brush it aside and you know just deal with it deal with whatever comes comes you know but you know the the the, the fact is the reality is there's a lot more going on than what we can perceive with our minds at the time um it's like analogy like what i say is um a lot of people say why don't the aliens land on the white house lawn and i say well look if they're an intelligent species that have been watching us for a while they'd realize how violent we are how inherently scary we are as humans that you know if something different did land or did you know we, the way we treat other people of our own species but of other races of other colors and ethnicities and everything uh the way we treat each other anything any intelligent species has been observing us for a long time would know the way we are and how violent we are they wouldn't just land on the white house lawn the first thing that we would do would be to shoot them or to because they're so different you know the way we treat anyone else on this earth is different even of our own species so if something else landed completely different as if we're going to go oh hey welcome blah 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 no we're more likely to belt them in the head with a baseball bat or shoot them in the face whatever the case is you know what i mean so it's um that's why they don't land on the white house lawn and go hey everyone we're here we're here to help you no it doesn't seem to be that way it seems to be more of a role of observance that they're watching what we're doing just in the same way that a scientist you know who's got a petri dish full of bacteria that he's cultivating he would watch through a microscope but you don't go and jump into that petri dish and jump in with the bacteria and live with them but you watch from you observe from a distance so this is what i believe is what ha is happening on this earth um, possibly we were seeded or through panspermia or any other type of whatever the case may be if you look into the sumerian myths and they they created us through mm -hmm. the the um you know big pre-existing hominid species that were here on this earth already and created us to be intelligent slaves or whatever the case is. there's a lot of different theories out there no one knows the truth you can always speculate you can always ask questions but in reality we really don't know hmm. do you think there's any connection between uh ufo phenomena and our ability to create nuclear weapons 
Yeah, there does seem to be some sort of, well, when I say um, there seems to be some connection, I mean, as you know, back in the day, there was a whole, um, you know, they would fly over the top of nuclear sites and they would send beams of light down into the bunkers and either start a countdown from 20 down to one, freak people out in the bunkers, or they'd stop nuclear weapons, they'd stop, they'd, um, you know, one after the other, which is impossible because of the codes on every single different nuclear weapon, but somehow they'd know all the different codes and somehow shut them all down at once. There seems to be some sort of connection with they don't like us interfering with uh, nuclear weaponry or nuclear anything, really. It seems to be possibly that that kind of stuff could interfere or, you know, stretch out into the universe and create some sort of something out there. Um, like a shockwave or whatever the case is, um, but they, they don't seem to be too happy that we're messing around with nuclear weapons. And if any if any of the stories to be believed about you know the uh, incursions onto nuclear missile weapon bases and everything, then yeah, it does seem to be they're giving us some kind of warning as to what may be going on, and not it don't keep this up in the future just maybe change your technology or whatever. But the fact a lot of people on this earth think that they're here to give us new technology or they're, near, they're here to help us or they're here to whatever. I don't, I don't think that's the case either. I think that if um, that was the case, you know, we'd already have the help. We'd already have the assistance that we need from them. Um, it's more like they're letting us go at our own accord uh, to do what we have to do without as much interference as possible. But it seems as though also that during history, they've also interfered in small ways with humanity. Um, if you look at old cases like um, with uh, Alexander of Macedonia back in the day when he was leading his armies over um, one of the rivers back in the day and he had his elephants going over and his horses and everything. And they described on both sides of the battle, they described shields silver glowing shields that would come down from the sky and swoop the elephants and swoop the, the horses as they were crossing a river. Um, and then you've got several years later, you've got another case with Alexander and his army where supposedly a bright shield came down from the sky, a burning shield, which is what they would describe it as in those days because they had nothing else to really describe it to, like a wheel or a chariot wheel. You know, a burning shield, like the Romans used to describe these things, burning bright shields um, cruising across the sky. You know, um, they seem to interfere in certain ways or point to certain ways. Um, there was a story where, you know, who knows whether it's true or not, unless you're there at the time, you really don't know. But it was recorded on both sides of the battle where um, this thing came down, sent a bright beam down into one of these walls, which crumbled the wall, which allowed Alexander's army to enter the city and sack a city. Now, if you look at it, you're thinking, okay, well, why are they interfering in little ways like that? Is that to create a narrative throughout history to then, you know, to lead us to where we are now, to Western civilization? Is There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. And you've got to sort of try and separate the truth from the reality and what seems real and what seems not. We really don't know um, at the end of the day, um, unless you're there to see it yourself. That's it. What I say to a lot of people who don't believe in the UFO phenomenon, I say to them, look, you don't just believe what a government says or what Joe Blow says on the corner or don't believe what I say. You need to see the phenomenon with your own eyes at the end of the day. As the old saying goes, you've got to see to believe, you know, and um, that's what I tell to every, say to everybody. You know, at the end of the day, I can't convince you of anything. 
I mean, I've got plenty of videos and photos of these things and over 200 witnesses, but still I can't convince <laughs> everybody that what they're seeing or what I'm seeing is real. They need to see it themselves at the end of the day. That's all there is. But that's, that's a lot of evidence, though, for one guy to collect. <laughs> I've, I've been lucky, I guess you could say, over the years um, with the phenomenon. I've been involved in four documentaries so far, and three out of the four documentaries have had UFOs appear during the making of the documentary, which have been filmed by multiple people making the documentary, including one coming out, a Canadian one with Rob Freeman coming out the next month or two. Um, where he travelled around the world and I was one of the people who came and visited here in Australia. And, you know, we witnessed the um, huge thing cruising low throughout the Gold Coast and um, disappearing out to the ocean and then disappearing altogether. Um, you know, our Australian skies, we had a, a UFO up here. I filmed another UFO during the making of Australian skies as well. Um, and also um, with Fractured Realities, a UFO appeared during the making of that as well. And, yeah, another documentary recently I was involved with uh, UFOs in the Outback. Um, it's by a famous YouTuber who came here and, um, you know, we witnessed a massive uh, ball of light just appear in the sky next to an aeroplane and then disappear again, kind of sucking on itself and gone. And so I've had a bit of luck myself with, um, you know, that's never happened in history where they've appeared in multiple documentaries about themselves. Now, that's part of the high strangeness um, in the subject where I've spoken about them in the past. I've had them appear before UFO doc, uh, conferences that I've on my way driving to or whatever I've been driven to or whatever. And we've had UFOs appear and I've got some incredible footage of them on the way to, you know, or after I've spoken about them at conferences or whatever the case is, we've had UFOs appear after the conferences are directly above the conference place where we just had the conference or strange things like that it's like they know when you're talking about them or they know when you're actually you know uh, involving them in the topic or whatever and that's another part of the high strangeness of this which i'll be going into in haunted skies coming up interesting um how about some of the footage of uh, uaps Ooh, sorry uh, how about some of the footage of UAPs coming out of the water and going back into the water that's recently come out? Yeah, that's interesting. I know that's a, a reality because I've witnessed the phenomenon myself um, coming in and out of the water without leaving any wake whatsoever. I did a, a, a bunch of talks down at Kayama. I did two talks in one day. Um, one They were both four-hour talks or whatever the case is, and in between the talks, I would, I, I remember saying to a UFO president friend of mine, Lorraine Cilia from um, uh, Campbelltown UFO, um, UFO, uh, UFO PRSA, you know, Paranormal Research Society of Australia. She was with me and I said, I, I said to her, I've got a feeling, let's go down to the beach right now. So we went down to the beach and sure enough, this big glob of ball of light or something has like come right up over the ocean, flo floating over the ocean. And then we're like, whoa, and I'm filming this thing. And there was a, uh, you know, there was a gale blowing and everything. And so you can kind of hear the wind brushing against the camera and everything. And I'm trying to keep it still, you know, holding it on this, um, this wooden post and everything. And anyway, this thing's, and then all of a sudden it's flew right out over to the horizon and right in front of us. And we're just like, whoa, wow, wow. And it just stopped at the blink of a hat and hovered this ball of light or blob of light, whatever you want to call it, just hovered above the ocean for about seven seconds and then all of a sudden dove into the ocean at an angle 
like this and um, completely disappeared. No wake in the water, no splash, no anything, no effect on the water whatsoever, but disappeared completely. And so I know that it's a reality. I know that they can fly into the oceans. There's a lot of cases here in Australia too where they've been seen going into the water. I get a lot of reports from around the world, people saying the same things. Um, we've seen them flying into mountains. Um, here in Dunedoo here, I've got multiple bits of footage now, whether infrared or 4K, these things coming down from the sky, changing angle, then stopping, and then flying at a different angle down into the mountain, disappearing all completely um, into this little mesa that we have just outside of town here. And now, how can you explain that? Um, I know that meteorites don't come down at angles, change direction, then stop. They don't do that. So whatever these things are, seem to be able to fly into the Earth, like Louis Elizondo has said. Um, they're, they're you know, they're multiple, whatever the case is, whatever he calls them. You know, they can fly into oceans, they can fly into mountains without disturbing the surface whatsoever. So that's breaking our laws of physics, number one. The, the speed that these can, things can fly at. Number two, the fact is when they come down at these speeds, they can stop without any forward inertia. Like if you're driving a car and then you're going at 120 kilometers an hour or 120 miles an hour, you put your foot on your brake. You don't come to a direct stop. You, you slowly slow down, you know, until you come to a stop. No forward inertia. These things, they can stop at the, the blink of a hat, just boom, and then do a 90 degree left-hand turn, stop again, no forward inertia and then do whatever they do take off into the sky or whatever the case is so i know that um i know that what the navy have released in the last week in relation to ufos diving into the water i know that's real i know i've seen it myself on multiple occasions so do, do you think that leaving anything do you think any, that leaving they're... any physical symptom you know um, mm -hmm. on the earth that's quite amazing that that defeats our laws of physics we, as far as we know it's way beyond anything that we're capable of possibly i mean in reality nothing is actually solid anyway so maybe they find a way to around that yeah but you got to ask yourself why would they be coming into a small town to test this equipment where if it was a top secret military project wouldn't you think that they have tens of thousands of acres or hectares where they could test this stuff where that would never ever be seen by anybody in the public and i.e the top secret um stick or whatever that they've got attached to it would remain top secret if they tested it in these areas why would they risk their technology i.e being po possibly crashing into the earth or possibly or coming into small towns where um this stuff's been seen for 200 years before governments even really had a grasp mm -hmm. on much of anything these things are being seen uh, by aboriginals here going back thousands of years now they've spoken about it there's actually a a, a uh, national park here which is about um an hour's drive away from here where i am just north of us it's called cooler tops national park and there's a on the outside of before you enter the national park there's actually a legend that's printed on these you know on these posts about um, a Barry Younger, which is like a sky god, which would exist in a ball of light, which would float above the trees and take people, take, um, and, and they actually have a legend in this place just north of us, this Aboriginal tribe that lived there for thousands of years, where the, the people in the tribe, and especially this one night, they would climb to the tops of these gigantic trees. They're all like prehistoric trees, really massive 
bases on them and go they go way up into the sky so these people would climb to the tops of these trees and then one night this baron younger this this god this god that would exist in this ball of light which would cruise amongst the treetops um on some nights not all nights this one night um there were seven of these women that came up to the tops of these trees and they were taken up into space and they became the Pleiades star system. Now, according to Aboriginal legend here, they, they speak of them as because the, the, the six of the seven of the lights in the Pleiades star system are very bright and one's very dim. Now, they, they, they claim that the dim one was um, not as attractive. She was one of the women that wasn't attractive as the other women that were taken. So the other women that were taken were became bright stars, where she became a very dull star. So, I mean, you got little legends like that all around Australia, where um, it's different with different Aboriginal tribes, of course, but they speak of the same thing, whereas these women went up into the sky. Some of them speak that the women actually flew into the sky themselves and but this particular legend that's an hour north of us spoke of this god that would exist in a ball of light cruise around the treetops they would go and try and see because back in the day they didn't have tv this that was like their television back then you know it's something that they could see like stars mm-hmm. and space that was what they knew you know and and so you got to ask yourself the question like that's very strange the same by you know, tens of thousands of years old Aboriginal tribes here in Australia speaking of virtually the same thing in relation to the creation of different star systems out there. It's very strange, very unusual, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just a, a myth, really, at the end of the day, but it's very interesting. You could ask yourself the question, did something like that happen? It sounds like what we would describe today as an abduction experience. These women were taken up to the sky not that they just flew up to the sky. We know they can't fly up to the sky. So this legend seems to be the more, most prolific and the most understandable out of all the Australian legends about the Pleiades star system that they're actually taken um, by this god, this, this sky god, which actually gave a name to it. It's interesting. It's yeah. also, you know, here in America too, the, the First Nation have a lot of, stories too about encounters with uh sky people yeah yeah totally totally yeah it's all around the world right in south american um you know north america uh even russia they've got legends of certain things australia all the ancient kind of tribes around the world speak of very very similar things now we have the um you know the 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 gods here which we would paint in caves here which look like your typical greys grey aliens you know um and and we've given them names here as well you know as to what they are and what they thought they were at the time and big slanted eyes and small heads and you know small bodies and oh sorry big heads and big eyes and small bodies and everything and you gotta ask yourself the question they're describing stuff thousands of years ago that we're People nowadays are describing as these extraterrestrial beings that are taking people in their sleep or taking people in their, their from their rooms or whatever. Is there a connection? Is there something going on here? You could ask. 
when you put two and five together, you come up with 10, but at the same time, you got to ask yourself the question, is there something to it? There may be, there may be not. I, I don't try and concentrate on that side of myself. I try and concentrate on evidence, um, getting physical evidence, i.e. multiple cameras filming the same UFO at the same time under different circumstances, i.e. thermal, then you've got your infrared, you've got your full spectrum, you've got your night vision binoculars, then you've got your 4K camera, then maybe a VGA camera or high def camera as well. So you've got several different formats of, of photography or videography all on the one rig filming the same UFO. That's what I'm about at the moment. So I'm trying to you know, get as much evidence as I can. A lot of skeptics would say, oh, you know, if it's filmed on one camera, it could be a camera anomaly. But if it's filmed on several different formats of the camera at the same time, it kind of rules out an anomaly on the one yeah. camera when you're capturing it on several different cameras. So I try and concentrate more on evidence. Mm -hmm. you know, but I do find the, uh, the stories quite fascinating, um, going back, you know, with the Aboriginal stories and the, uh, like in your country with the uh, Native American Indians and that. And, you know, I, I find all that quite fascinating. These are, the, these are the tribes that would travel around the world looking up at the sky, spending thousands of years looking up at the sky. So they kind of know what they're talking about. Wow. Um, so, so with the evidence that you're collecting, is it, I, I mean, I mean, this sounds like an obsession to you. Do you spend that much money to create these lit rigs and spend all the time you're doing trying to collect this evidence and making the documentaries? Um, why are you doing it? Like, 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 are you trying to show just to collect evidence to show people like, Hey, this phenomena is real or are you doing it just, um, to find your own answers or a combination of both? It's a combination of both. I want to find out an answer for myself. I've been searching for this answer for 33 years as to what I'm seeing, why I'm seeing, why I'm seeing the amount of them over my lifetime that I'm seeing. Um, I mean, if I was just like anybody else, I guess I could say that, you know, I'd sit back and not really care. I'd just see them and go, whatever. But I have this thing in me that I need to find out an answer, you know, to what I'm seeing and it's like nothing will stop me from finding it is an obsession I guess you could say at the end of the day um you know I, it's not trying to convince others that what I'm seeing is real I'm trying what what has driven me during my life is the pain of losing family losing friends losing best friends having the stigma attached to me speaking about what I'm seeing to people when, you know, you think you get to know somebody and you can open up to them, as soon as you mention UFOs, their eyes roll and they think you're nuts and you never hear from them again. You know, and for me, it's like I know a lot of people before me have come and gone and lived lives that have been totally destroyed because they've seen something and opened up to their family and their family have totally discredited them as crazy or whatever the case is. And I know that feeling really hard. And that pain has driven me to want to help others in the future to not go through the same pain and if i can get as much evidence as i can to help that you know that's the little bit that i can contribute to the world so so others don't have to go through what i went through in my life and what many others have gone through right. in their lives trying to get the reality of the truth of the ufo phenomenon out there i think so, a lot of people are sort of coming around now i think more people yeah. believe these phenomena now than, than not. It, you know, it's human 
this is just my opinion, but I think it's just human arrogance um, to deny that um, there's things that we don't know or cannot explain. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think our humans, uh, they like to, what they know is their reality, their nine to five day, their, their routine, going to work, coming home, providing for the family. Most people, that's their existence. They don't really look outside that. They don't see these things. Most people will never see UFO in their lifetimes. But the ones that do really change their entire paradigm of everything. It really changes their whole um, understanding of everything and makes them question everything. And a lot of these people contact me and ask me my answer, what I can tell them. And the reality is I can't tell anyone anything because I don't have the answer. At the end of the day, I don't. Um, you know, there's a lot of people out there who claim to know the answer, like they're, they're aliens from the Pleiades or they're aliens from here or they're the blue chicken alien or they're this or they're that or they're tall whites or this or that. No one really knows at the end of the day. I can't, I'm not, I have integrity and I can't say to people that, oh yeah, it's this or it's that. Um, at the end of the day, I don't know myself. I wish I did more than anything. Um, but, you know, I've become resigned to the fact that I'll never know the, the answer until the day I die. Um, just hopefully, you know, the stigma will be um, released a little bit so that people in the future can come forward more and speak about what they've seen in an open kind of environment where people won't judge them as much as, you know, what people have been judged for the last 60 years who've come forward. You know, um, that's my whole thing with this. If I can help some people out, let them know they're not alone, um, but, you know, a lot of people contact me over the last decade um, since I've gone public and, um, you know, tell me their stories. They can't tell other people in their families. They can't tell their best friends even. Um, but they open up to me. They feel like they've seen me in documentaries or whatever. They feel like they can trust me and they tell me. And, you know, I keep everything to myself. I get back to them and I'll, I'll respond. And this is, you know, you're not alone, blah, blah, blah. And it, you know, it helps a lot of people. It does seem to help a lot of people, whereas they can't even speak with their own family about this without their own family thinking they're crazy. This is something I understand myself because I've had it during my life too, whereas people in my life have thought I was crazy because of what I've claimed to have seen and, and whatnot. Even though I've had witnesses with me, it doesn't matter because these people haven't seen it themselves. At the end of the day, like I said before, you need to see it with your own eyes to really believe so, um, you know, if, if I can just at the end of the day help out a few people on this, a few thousand people, whatever, on this earth, you know, to, to let them know they're not alone, that they, what they've seen is more than likely real, it's strange, um, and other people have seen it too, and don't worry about what anyone else says. Now, I'll be happy, I'll die happy, man, knowing that, you know, I've helped out a few people so they don't feel so alone on this earth, because I know the feeling really well, and I'm... Um, you know, and because of the rubbish and ridicule that's been heaped on it by the government, by other people over the century, over the last, you know, 60, 70 years or whatever, um, it's just, it's ridiculous. And um, so I can't, I'm kind of suspect about the whole government thing now, um, where they're saying that, oh, yeah, all of a sudden now they're releasing stuff. And I've got, I've been told recently by someone, it's because of people like me who are getting the truth out there and no more can they hide it, blah, blah, blah. Who knows the reason why they're, they're coming out with it now all of a sudden. But the fact is that for so many years, they've rubbished people like me. They've ridiculed people like me. We've had our lives destroyed, turned upside down because we've spoken the truth about what we saw. You know, that's ridiculous. And now all of a sudden they're like, oh, yeah, guys, it's all real. <laughs> what? You know, it's like, 
who knows what to believe with this whole thing. Um, I'm not I'm not expecting any anything that's going to blow the whole thing sky wide. But if 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 this helps with the stigma a little bit, I'm all for it. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. I got, I don't have a high expectation of the government coming out with anything. You know, like yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but we'll see. Um, yeah, chase. You know, I wouldn't say chasing, but but the curiosity that is created inside of you. Do you think there's a spiritual aspect to that? That because one of the things that I've noticed with most UFO people that, that have this deep sense of curiosity, of just just wanting to know and being open to all the possibilities, it also opens up something spiritual in people. I think so, anyway. Do you? It does. It does. It absolutely does. That's why you've a lot of the New Age philosophies have latched on to ufology. A lot of the new age movement has latched onto ufology, whereas a lot of people think that you know they're star seeds or they're, they're this or they're, they're here to help humanity and they're aliens themselves and all this. I don't believe that personally. A lot of people tell me that I'm one of these star seeds and that I signed some spiritual path before I came onto this earth to do what I'm doing right now. And you know, I I I don't remember that. <laughs> if I remembered it, I'd be like, yeah, well, maybe it's true. But no, I didn't remember signing anything. And the fact is, you know, like before I came onto Earth, anyway, like I wasn't a physical being, so I don't know how I could sign anything anyway. But <laughs> apart from that, sorry, jokes. But um, <laughs> I I just you know, there's a whole movement that goes down the new age path with UFOs and everything. And you know, I, I believe people just want to believe in something bigger than us that we're not alone, that we're, that something is actually investing its time in us, its effort in us and watching us and caring about us and all this sort of stuff. But I'd like to, I'd love to think that's true. And I know that we are being observed in some way or another, but I know that it's not all good. A lot of people in the new age movement think that they're here to help us and they're here to give us energy and they're here to give us this and that. If that was meant to happen, it would have happened already. Um, it's not meant to happen that way. We're here to evolve in our own way, in our, at our own speed, not be continually advanced by extraterrestrials or whatever the case is, and and then giving us knowledge on certain high-powered technologies or whatever the case is. You know, they're going to do that. Like I said, it would have happened already. But you know, um, at the same time, like I can understand where people are coming from with the spiritual angle because a lot of people want to believe that there's more to our existence than what is deemed, you know, what we think is going on. Um, that there is some higher power looking after us, watching over us. And that makes people feel comfortable and whatever at the end of the day, whatever makes people feel happy. I'm not here to say rubbish that or whatever the case is, but all I know is from my own experience that a lot of this UFO phenomenon isn't as nice as what people like to think it is. And, after 33 years um, and having experienced a couple of years ago myself, I, I've come to realize that there's more to it than just them helping us or them, you know, being nice to us or whatever the case is. There's actually a darker side to this whole thing. I've had this experience. A number of people around this world have had this experience with them. Um, there's been cases all throughout the world where some strange things have happened to human beings, uh, radiation sickness, poisoning. A whole bunch of different things. I was recently made unwell myself a couple of years ago after an encounter with a UFO. Spent about eight months 
trying to work out what happened to me going to multiple professors specialists you name it and um, found out I had all these issues uh, bone problems that could only be caused by exposure to radiation hypophosphatemic osteomalacia um, in my own bones um, and a whole bunch of other different things um, so I know and there's cases where they've actually actively attacked humans sending beams down at humans burning humans killing humans um, off Brazil a few years ago as well. There's, there's actually a number of cases around the world of high strangeness where human beings are being found dead um, under very, very unusual circumstances in relation to the UFO phenomenon. Um, and so I know that there's more to it than what we're thinking there is. And I believe that good and bad permeate through the entire universe and that they're not all good, uh, whatever, you know, whatever's here to help us. And the fact as well, like when I was younger and I witnessed the red ball of light following me and three years later with my brothers, the red ball of light being chased around the sky and I always wondered about that. Why is it getting chased away by these other two different colors of light? What, what's with that? Why, why are they chasing it? Why are they, you know, what was all that about? And so I, I, over the years, I did a lot of research into those kind of, and that's been that's been seen by multiple people around the world. These so-called aerial battles. Um, I think it was 1561 in Nuremberg in Germany. There was a case mm -hmm. where, um, and it actually made the front page of the newspapers at the time through a woodcut that they they sketched out. Whereas multiple balls of light were seen flying through the sky, coming out of cigar-shaped objects and everything, and sending beams of light at each other, and then they'd crash to the ground and catch on fire. And seven years later, or six years later, in Basel, Switzerland, exactly the same thing happened again there, where thousands of people witnessed an aerial battle with multiple balls of light. Why are they fighting over us for? you got to ask yourself those questions <laughs> now, the people. That's a people good question. People who've never seen this or really looked into that side of it would never know that kind of side of it. Now, I've experienced it myself and I've been made unwell and I've got heart problems now at the age of 42. So since the age of 40, I've had heart problems, bone problems. Um, after multiple cases of UFOs coming up close to me, I've had one um, that was seen by an author, Mike Williams, who's a Fortiana investigator here in Australia. And there was another gentleman there at the time as well. A shaft or column of light um, probably about six foot long, four to six foot long. It was hard to tell because of the speed it went into the ground, but um, it melted into the ground just over my left hand. I could have stuck my finger out and it would have hit this shaft of light. That's how close it was going down my left arm. And um, and it made me jump. It made the other gentleman jump and everything. And we're just like, what was that? Wow. And the following morning, I had the actually that night, I had the um, camera trained on the valley behind us. We caught 13 of these lights, these shafts of columns of light coming down from the sky, changing angles multiple times and flying into the, the mountain behind us. Um, how can you explain that? We saw one of these things fly in the ground just over my arm. Now, I've never seen one that close myself. I've had them come up you know, within about seven or eight feet of me before, but not something that was in an inch and a half away from my arm. Now, that's freaky. Nothing melting to the ground completely, no sound, no anything, um, no disturbance on the ground whatsoever, just melt into the ground completely. Um, how can you explain stuff like that? It's really, really weird. And again, it goes into the highest strangeness side of UFO. UFO topic and phenomenon a lot of people who don't see this or experience it never ever know about that this stuff even exists that's crazy you've experienced a lot 
few things yeah <laughs> I, some people say oh you're lucky and i'm like yeah please let's swap lives i just want to be a normal person <laughs> it's like to me it's like sometimes it feels like a curse you know i tell my mate like that all the time this is like a curse it really kind of sucks sometimes but i guess um I'm, i've been lucky i've been able to capture it i've, I've got a couple hundred videos and got maybe about 300 photographs 400 photographs of the ufo phenomenon um in different parts of australia wherever i've gone to um they seem to be whenever i one of the strange things my ex-girlfriend just the other day was saying that in the year and a bit that i've been away from sydney that she's never seen one ufo but when i was there there was like multiple we'd see him like once a week or once every two weeks or three weeks or whatever the case is so you know it's really strange and when i left here a decade ago after being here 10 months and seeing heaps of ufos here and having you know journalists see them and investigators see them and people from all around australia traveling here and seeing them um my father never saw one ufo in the previous eight years until i've just come back here now and now all of a sudden the town is seeing ufos again which is really strange so it does seem to be a phenomenon that's centered around certain individuals around the earth. And that seems to be something in common with other phenomena as well, like uh, poltergeist phenomena, uh, ghost phenomena seems to be centered around certain individuals, which is really strange, which is another little possible connection, but who really knows? But so far out there, you know, the whole thing is just crazy. Have you tried any type of hypnosis have somebody hypnotize you to try to find yeah, out I, why they're interested in you? I'm one of those rare people who can't be hypnotized. So unfortunately <laughs> I've come stuck with the whole, you know, like I'll just lie there and people say, Oh yeah, you're out of it now. I'm like, no, I'm not I'm still awake. <laughs> so I can't be hypnotized no matter what I do. Um, but yeah, that's uh, multiple times people have tried to hypnotize me over the years and put me into regression therapy and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, I can never be hypnotized for whatever reason. Um, I, yeah, I wish I knew why. I, I kind of wish that I could be hypnotized so that maybe I could find out an answer or something, but I don't think I'll ever find out an answer at the end of the day. You know, I'll just become resigned to that fact and just kind of dealing with it and just <laughs> plodding along, you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, man, I, I hope that that you do find some of the answers. I appreciate that. Yeah, one day, who knows? Like I said, I'm not holding my hopes up too high. So one day, who knows? <laughs> Anything's possible. <laughs> yeah. But all I can do for the time being is continue to film when I see these things. Um, it, it, like I said, it doesn't happen every day. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, I haven't seen anything for nearly two months. I had a team of scientists come up here, you know, maybe two and a half months ago, and we witnessed some really strange stuff, and we recorded strange um, local atmospheric anomalies, i.e. magnetic fields changing around us all of a sudden, while bright flashes of light would envelop us, and all these bizarre things that we saw, but nothing since. I mean, I've seen one UFO in the last two and a half months, which is Kind of, especially in this area is kind of rare <laughs> people seen them all the time so yeah i don't care whatever happens happens you know at the end of the day i'm not trying to convince everyone that i'm special or anything like a lot of people in my field do um but all i'm trying to say is that there is a phenomenon there uh, and we don't know what it is it's really strange it's really bizarre at the end of the day so people can put their hands up and say it's this or it's that but at the end of the day no one really knows what it is Hmm. The government especially doesn't know what it is. <laughs> awesome. So before we wrap this up, 
where can my listeners find your film that is out and the films that you have coming out in the future? Uh, well, I've got um, a documentary out at the moment on YouTube uh, called Fractured Realities. There's part two and three coming out at the moment. Uh, I've got a... Uh, so I've just got to plug in a charger here because my phone's just saying it's about to die on me. So, um, there's, uh, at the moment, I think on um, Amazon, there's Australian Skies. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on Netflix for a couple of years. It's on um, Amazon at the moment, uh, Australian Skies Part 1. Uh, and also there's Haunted Skies coming out. There's Paranatural uh, Enigma Part 2. Uh, Fractured Realities Part 2 coming out from Fractured Realities Part 1 is on YouTube at the moment. So if you search, for some reason it kind of disappeared off the search engines on uh, YouTube. Um, had an instance a while back where a whole bunch of my stuff just disappeared, like my website, um, everything kind of disappeared <laughs> all at once. Um, and then my connection with AAPI, which is Australian Aerial Phenomena Investigations, which is my um crew that i started up with you know eight nine years ago with a bunch of investigators around australia and um, america even and canada and mexico and everything and um that kind of disappeared as well and any connection with me disappeared with it off google altogether it was really strange within like a week or so after agreeing to do something with um harvard medical school some sort of study with them about ufos and my brain waves and all this kind of stuff um so that kind of made me back away from all that kind of stuff. I was like, whoa, if I'm going to lose all this just for agreeing to be part of a study. I'm not going to be part of your study anymore. I'm going to disappear. Um, so, yeah, there was some strange stuff like involved with that. But, uh, yeah, you can just find any of my work and um, interviews and stuff like that online. Just type in Damien John Knott or Damien Knott or whatever. I've got one of those names you can't forget, N-O-T-T. Um, my family go back to King Canute of Norway, a Viking king. Apparently, he was the first knot going back in the day a thousand years ago. Um, so, you know, a lot of people ask why the UFO is following you around. I'm like, is it because of your lineage, your history or whatever the case is, or your family history or whatever? And I've looked into that and I'm, no one really has an answer at the end of the day. I don't have an answer. I wish I did. I wish I could tell you that, yeah, it's, it's because I was related to someone, someone famous back in the day. But you can't really say that at the end of the day. No one really knows. I don't know. I wish I did know. I wish I had an answer to tell you all. But this this phenomenon, really look into it and you'll see how strange it is. It's really uh, goes beyond just extraterrestrials landing here and, you know, um, probing a farmer Joe and then going back to going back to their planet or, you know, mutilating a cow or whatever the case is and then just disappearing off and then coming and mutilating a cow five years later it's kind of strange the whole thing is just really bizarre Uh, like uh, tell people just look into it yourself and come up with your own explanation but the reality is until most people don't see the ufo phenomenon um and let alone see it you know once or twice during their lifetimes let alone dozens of tens of dozens of times and you've got to ask why why is that um, the times they show up are really strange too. It's like they know when you're going to talk about them, when you're going to do podcasts. I've had them show up after podcasts I've done. There'll probably be one in the backyard after this podcast. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but probably not. You know, a lot of times they don't. But, uh, you know, it's just it's really strange. It's normally when I do conferences or presentations, I'll see them two or coming from the presentation or whatever. And 
or during documentaries that I'm making or I'm involved in or I'm being filmed in or whatever. But um, my own ones, uh, documentaries that I'm working on, um, uh, basically what I believe not, you know, when you give your story to someone else and they make a documentary, they can twist it the way they want or they can turn it in any other angle to, to suit their own narrative. But when you make your own documentaries, you're making them from your heart and from what you believe. So this is why I've, I've delved into making my own documentaries from now, you know, so that I can actually get my point of view across there and not someone else's twisted point of view that they claim to be my point of view or whatever the case is. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, charlatans out in this field, so you just got to be careful. So, <laughs> Well, I will definitely – I have some of the links that Michelle gave me, and I'll put those in the notes of this episode so they can – Check out your videos, reach out to you. Um, I did find the one on Amazon too. So that was out there to watch. <laughs> so, Excellent. All, Excellent. So, so all that will be there for my listeners to check out um, when they're done listening to this episode. Um, Great. Thanks Great. for taking the time to be on today. You're, you're definitely welcome to come back on anytime. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I've really enjoyed my time talking to you and you've been a great host. So, And thank you to all your listeners for tuning in. I really appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Well, hang in there one second with me and I just have to play the outro. Not a problem. Thank you for listening to Everything Imaginable on KGRA Radio. You can reach Gary at everythingimaginable2020.com or email him at everythingimaginable2020 at gmail.com. He's also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can buy t-shirts, coffee mugs and other merchandise to support the costs of producing this podcast. Click on the merchandise link at the top of his page, www.everythingimaginable2020.com. Oh yes, I almost forgot. You can buy his book, Enlightenment Guaranteed. It's the only book on Zen that you'll ever need, and it's on Amazon. It'll change your life, because remember, everything that exists was first imagined. Hey, if you love what you listen to, don't forget, rate, review, and subscribe.